Beowulf by Neil Foster MacPhail, read by Mike Moore. Book One, Beowulf and the Monster Grendel. Chapter One, What the Coast Guard Saw. The steady wind coming in from the sea had a chill running through it. The guard, whose job it was to guard the coastline, had been walking up and down the cliffs by the beach for hours now, and the lambent glow of dawn over the trees was still an hour or two away. The moon was half full and shone whitely over the waves making a flickering path from the horizon to the shore. The guard's face was toward the sea, and his back was to Herod, the mighty mead hall of King Hrothgar of Denmark. Then, as now, mead halls were built for people to drink and eat and dance and sing in. The old stories were told, and kings awarded land and treasure to their most worthy thanes. Herod was by far the largest mead hall anyone had ever heard of until it burned down. At the time of this story, it is not burned down yet. On this night, the hall was dark, silent, and empty. The hall had not been used for more than ten years, and there was a very good reason for that. At first, the guard wasn't sure, but after he'd watched for a while, he detected a dark moat floating in the middle of the silvery ribbon of moonlight. After he'd watched a bit longer, he knew it was no whale or walrus, but a boat heading his way. So much for waiting for the dawn and returning to wife in bed. As he waited to see if the boat was going to land on the Danish coast or sail on by, the coast guard stopped his pacing along the cliffs and simply waited, leaning on his tall ash spear and keeping his ears open for anything happening to the right or left of him. Over the rhythmic sound of the surf and the steady wind, he could hear low voices talking, as well as the many small creaking, splashing, and thumping sounds that oars make. Knowing if he blew his horn to sound the alarm, armed men would come running. The guard waited. After a long while, he heard heavy splashing sounds. Voices came over the air from nearby, along with metallic clinks and the thump of wooden shields and bundles of spears being tossed onto the rocky bank where the boat was now moored. He heard a low, solemn voice giving a brief prayer, no doubt one of thanks to the seas for being calm. He heard the snorting of horses and the clumping of their hooves, and soon enough they climbed up the stony escarpment and came into view. There had been horses on the ship? Iron-tipped lances were held high, as no fewer than fourteen mail-clad warriors with iron helmets rode toward him. They had a large banner on a pole. Some of them had swords as well, in case anyone somehow got in too close to kill with the lances or a thrown spear. He was watching those swords to see if any came out of its sheath, and those spears to see if any of them lowered threateningly. They did not. He called out, "'Who are you men, crossing the sea in your tall ship and disembarking in chainmail corslets and iron helmets? Whose great banner is this? I am the warden this night, keeping watch for enemies. I have never before seen such fierce, well-equipped warriors on my strip of beachfront.' I hope you have not come as spies on your way to invade the lands of the Skildings. I need to know where you are from, and quickly. Good night to you, a warm rumbling voice came back to him, with only slightly accented Danish. The speaker was a huge bear of a man, with a thick mane of wavy reddish-brown hair, and a thick beard under his plumed iron helmet. He was tall, 
but he was not slender or graceful. The horse he sat upon was dark and large. The warrior was not fat, but he was very thick, even taking into account his heavy chainmail shirt, which protected him from neck to knees. On a wide belt, he wore a sheath, which held an unusually thick and large sword. His calves were bare and hairy above rough leather boots. His hands were very large and strong, gnarled and knotted. His dark, deep-set eyes twinkled under arched, bushy brows. "'Well, I suppose it's not good morning quite yet, but it seems a bit late to wish you a good night.' "'We have not had a good night in Herat for over ten years now,' the guard of the coast told the enormous warrior. "'So I have heard,' said the imposing figure. "'In fact, that is why I have come.' We are from the house of King Higelac of the Yitz, and we have come to offer to lend a hand to you in your difficulty. He produced the word Geats in the manner of his people, and it sounded more like Yats. Are you suggesting that we Spearedanes cannot handle our own difficulties? The Coast Guard grated out. I meant no offense, replied the Yet, in a manner of a man who frequently gives offense without meaning to. Do you think we have no skilled swordsmen in Denmark? The guard asked. I am sure you have skilled swordsmen in Denmark, the warrior, whose name was Beowulf, agreed. King Hrothgar was himself a fierce warrior in his day, and his loyal thane Unferth has acquainted many with his bright blade fronting to their hurt, the guard continued, perhaps a bit defensively. Unferth? Isn't he the one who— Yes, Unferth. And Unferth is a mighty warrior and faithful thane of King Hrothgar, said the guard. If he had warmed up to them at all— this last comment had made his voice chilly again. The newly arrived Yit had touched upon a sore point. Of course, I do not mean to suggest otherwise, the warrior said, lowering his head and plowing on in the discussion. But am I right in thinking Herat is still a hall far too dangerous in which to celebrate? You are right. And have Hrothgar or Unferth and the other thanes found a solution to your difficulty? They have not. The last was said a bit grudgingly. The wind continued to increase in speed, starting to hiss through the cedar trees atop the cliffs. The spreading glow of dawn had begun in the sky behind the trees. Fixing a problem such as this one is far easier said than done. Are you a deft swordsman at least? The guard asked after a bit. Formidable, more than deft, the thick warrior admitted. You do look formidable at that, the guard replied. Well... "'Men from the house of Higelac of the Yayats,' he said, pronouncing the names as best he could and overdoing it a bit. He clunked the butt-end of his spear against the ground beside his boot with a formal air. "'You shall pass!' he announced, finally. He was a man who took his job very seriously. And fourteen armed warriors rode past him up the cliffs and into the cedar trees, beyond which King Hrothgar's great horned hall Herot sat dark and empty.' As for the guard, he resumed pacing the paths by the cliffs, waiting until the sun came up fully over the trees, and he could return to wife and bed.